and welcome to the On The Whistle podcast. My name is Alistair Howarth, the co-host of the show. We're kicking off our preview series ahead of the Africa Cup of Nations, looking at Nigeria today. The Super Eagles are coming into the tournament with a lot, a lot of question marks, but high hopes. Just ask Frank Donyeka. We certainly did keep an eye out for that interview that we did with him coming up. But we are joined to talk about the Super Eagles and their chances by Sky Sports' own, BBC Sports' own, CAF's own, one of the most brilliant journalists we have on the continent, Mimi Fawaz. Mimi joined us to discuss how the team looks going into the tournament. Mimi, it's so good to see you and to have you back on the podcast. Yeah, I know last time we had you were talking about the CAF Awards and the brilliance that we've seen in from coming from Nigeria, but now we're going to chat about whether Nigeria have that same brilliance to go go all the way and win the AFCON in, in Cote d'Ivoire in just, just a couple of weeks. Um, you know, I've got to ask you first off, you know, Nigeria is such a unique country when it comes to football, you know, the just A, the size of the country, the, you know, the history behind it, but also kind of the the way in which oftentimes they underperform or perform when you don't expect them to, you know, it's such a chaotic country in so many ways there's so much expectation on the super Eagles coming into that to this AFCON as there is every single AFCON it's unavoidable. You know, what is your sense? What is the mood in Nigeria? How are we feeling? How are you feeling uh, about the super Eagles coming into AFCON 2023? Well, I mean, it's a weird one because in one, in a way, I think Nigerians don't have high expectations. And yet in another way, I think they still expect them to do well. So it's like a mixed bag. And the reason why I say that is I can only base it on, let's look at um, the, the World Cup qualifiers for 2026 that started just a couple of weeks ago. Nigeria um, got off to having a one-all draw against Lesotho at home. And that wasn't taken very well at all by Nigerian football fans because they feel Nigeria's higher, like ranked way above Lesotho as like star players. And you're playing at home and you struggled to draw um, against Lesotho. So that wasn't seen well at all. And then when you look at them playing the second leg, their second match for the, for the qualifiers in their group was against Zimbabwe away. Um, and they played in Rwanda, and Nigeria came from behind. Like uh, Zimbabwe scored first, and Nigeria really struggled again in that match. And it was a Kelechi Henacho goal that helped to level it for Nigeria. But again, there's a two performances where Nigeria struggled. So I think Nigerian football fans are really not happy. Um, I don't think they've been very happy with, with the performances recently of the Super Eagles. So in a way... I don't think they're high expectations, but saying that Nigerians, though they might not be high expectations, when they start the tournament, they do expect them to do well or to, you know, to at least go find the competition. So it's a, it's a very tricky one. It's a balancing act. But um, yeah, many fans are very unhappy about the performances and the coach Jose Pusera at the moment, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I think it's, it, you know, it's a testament kind of what we're saying to the kind of chaotic nature of Nigeria, because obviously in the last, you know, 12 to, to 18 months, you've had a 10-0 victory, you've had a 6-0 victory, you know, some of the biggest wins in Nigerian football history, in African football history, and then you follow that up with, yeah, 1-1 draw with Lucy which I 
don't think we can get away from how bad a result that is at home, like you said. And even, you know, yes, Zimbabwe is a slightly better team, but they've, they've hardly played any football the last two years, and they're playing in Rwanda. They're not even playing at home in Zimbabwe. So kind of two terrible performances in terms of the results for Nigeria, and obviously missing Victor Ozyman, who will come on to in those games, but still with, with the kind of talent on offer in, with Nigeria, you know, that's just not good enough. And I wanted to ask about that because obviously... I feel like we had the exact same conversation last AFCON when we were previewing it together is Nigeria have this, and specifically Jose Becerra, the, the coach has this really difficult problem where you've got up front one of the best group of attackers in world football. I don't think any team, any country in the world has as many attackers that has Nigeria, you know, it, it, to the point where Tawa E might miss out on the tournament. And it, it almost doesn't matter because you've got Victor Boniface, who's been one of the best strikers in Germany coming through in his place. You've got Victor Ozyman, who's the best striker and, you know, arguably in the world alongside the likes of Harry Kane and Mbappe. And so an unbelievable amount of talent up front. But then you've got this issue where, you know, you're struggling for talent in the midfield defensively. You know, Calvin Bassi and Semi Ajay have, you know, shown that they're really solid defenders, but aren't elite level defenders. And, and then the big question is, you know, in goal, who's going to play there? You know, it's been Francis Uzoho, the last call of a couple qualifiers, but he's hardly played club football. I think even in, in um, I think he plays in Cyprus, doesn't he? So it, there's big questions there. You know, how is Jose Passero managing this team and how do you think he can get the best out of these outrageous talents up front whilst not kind of compromising the, the team too much defensively? Well, I mean, I think that is the question. Even many football fans will say individually, Nigeria has incredible talent. And even as you've just outlined, um, going forward, they really have world-class talent. But when it comes to the collective, it's just not its not working. It's not gelling. Jose Pacera doesn't seem to have, have got the formula to make it work for, Nigeria, for Ni the Nigerian team and for Nigerian football fans. Now, I've been speaking to some, of course, Former players of Nigeria and as well um, other former players who are not Nigerian about what exactly is going wrong in Nigeria. The coach himself has to bear some resp responsibility. I don't think there are many Nigerians that feel he's the right person to take the team very far, just even just generally in terms of Nigerian football. And, I mean, the federation itself, a source has said that if they had the money to terminate his contract, they probably would, but they don't have the funds to do that. So hence why... They're still carrying on with him. And let's not forget that he took a pay cut. He agreed to a pay cut. I think what, it was in September. Um, and they're still not able to, if they wanted to relieve him of his duties to do that. So I think that says a lot when it doesn't seem that they have much faith in, in their coach. So he obviously bears some responsibility. But as well, um, as I said, I've spoken to some former Nigerian and just former African players. They say to look at the midfield um, that the midfield is not creating the opportunities that you need to service the forwards. Um, and and some have even said it's left a big gap since John Michalobi left the team, um, not having the kind of service that you need um, to finish those goals. So that makes it hard, for example, for players like Austin. And you see him really hungry a, a lot of the times, running around a lot, trying to get those goals, but he's not always getting the service that he necessarily needs. Um, so that's obviously an area that needs to be looked at. And as well, as we've said, the goalkeeping is, is another huge area um, that many Nigerians are, are not happy with. And I, and I guess Francis Uzoho has been on the receiving end of, 
a lot of the unhappiness of the Nigerian football fans. I mean, if you even think back to the last World Cup um, in in Qatar, um, it was that goal that Thomas Partey scored and that a lot of Nigerians felt um, that um, Uzo could have stopped and he didn't stop. And then that ended up taking Ghana to the World Cup in Qatar. And we've seen um, as well some errors in, in, in the past few matches. So that's left many Nigerian fans concerned, um, you know, in, in, those two, in those two areas. And as I said, look at, at the World Cup qualifiers that they started. Nigeria are third in their group right now. And um, so... Fans are worried. Will it be the same thing again? Will Nigeria miss out on a second consecutive World Cup? I mean, I know we're still in the early days, so we we can't rule. We can't be making the definite answers right now. But there's still things that seem to be reoccurring over and over and over again. And Jose Pacero doesn't seem to be able to find the solutions for Nigeria um, going forward. And you know, like you mentioned, that that World Cup, you know, qualifiers look already a, you know a bit in danger. And of course. The way it works now, you've got these bigger groups of six teams, but it's only one that goes through and maybe the second place can scratch a playoff. But of course, you're in the group with with South Africa, who, you know, had that surprising loss to Rwanda. But before that, I think had gone 11 games unbeaten, had beaten Morocco and, you know, looked like they're starting to be a serious team. And so, you know, Nigeria can't really afford to have slip ups against, you know, your Lesotho's and your Zimbabwe's. I guess the only thing they can hope is... Lusitu and Zimbabwe will also do the same South Africa, especially when there's kind of that, that neighborly rivalry going on and there'll be a lot more extra motivation for those. You know, we, obviously, you know, we, we're talking a little bit about Nigeria's deficiencies here, but let's talk about, you know, what they have going for them. And, and the biggest one is, of that is, is obviously Victor Ozyman because he has been sensational. You know, we had you on the podcast to talk about how deserving he was to get, you know, the CAF player of the year. And I guess he's unique as well as, as one of these players who has... You know, the, the reason he got that award was essentially because of his brilliance at Napoli and, you know, being the main man and getting them back their, their first Scudetto since, since Maradona. But he's also one of these players who, despite Nigeria's struggles, despite the challenges, he has been sensational for them. And, you know, you just look at the AFCON qualifiers, 10 goals in six games is unreal. Um, and particularly when you think about how little service he's getting, you know, talking about how, you know, that 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 uh, gap left by John B. Mikel hasn't been filled. He's still getting 10 goals. You know, we talked about during the, uh, the CAF Awards that he was the first Nigerian to get that award of being the best player in Africa since Kanu in 1999. You know, is is Ozyman Nigeria's best player since? Is he their best player of the, of the 21st century? And how much is... Uh, how much of Nigeria's hopes and the Super Eagles' hopes rest on his, you know, immense, immense shoulders? I mean, Nigeria's had great players in in history for sure, um, and I, I think um, Osimhen will go down as, you know, as one of the great players that Nigeria has had, especially in this generation. But let's not rule out that Nigeria has some fantastic players throughout history. One of them as well being JJ Okocha. Um, but I think. Yeah, I do hope things turn out well for Nigeria at the Africa Cup of Nations. Let's not forget Osimhen missed the last one um, in Cameroon due to due to um, the injury. You know, he had surgery on his face. Um, so I think it's it's really great. Hope, touch wood, no injury will come. Um, I think it, it, it's really good to have one of the well, the best African strikers, if we look at the awards that he picked up at the moment, to be at the Africa Cup of Nations. And if Jose Pacero can just get this team, I don't know what he can do from now to then. We've only got a few weeks to go. Um, if he can just make it work, then I think Nigeria can be a lethal force 
at AFCON, especially with Osman fit and firing. If we're able to provide him, service him with those balls to get the goals in the back of the net, then I think Nigeria is a team to be feared at the Africa Cup of Nations. But again, all that depends on Jose Pesera. I'm not the coach. <laughs> so um, he has work to do, as I said. Um, he's not been able to find a solution so far. Um, let's see if, if he's able to. Miraculously, I hope so, come the Africa Cup of Nations. And it's sad as well that Taiwa Wuni um, picked up an injury. I'm not too sure if he's going to be ready for the Africa Cup of Nations, to be honest. I don't know because um, he's meant to be on the sidelines for a while. Um, he too was really picking up form for his team, Nottingham Forest. So, but, uh, you know, we've got we've got Osman, we've got Taiwa Wuni. Um, you've spoken about Victor Boniface, Ademola Lukman, and, you know, Kelechi Enacho as well springs a surprise every now and then, as we saw as we saw in Zimbabwe, and he has been a good a good player for Nigeria, I have to say, in the past few matches. So we can't rule out his his influence and his impact on the team come the Africa Cup of Nations. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's going to be one of the biggest challenges of, of any coach, I think, is, is Becerra to... to to knit together this team as kind of we we talked about that i want to look look towards your group because in many senses nigeria is in a very similar group to what they had in the 2021 afcon you know there it was egypt sudan and guinea bissau obviously guinea bissau are here again you know and and you and you played them in qualifying you beat them one nil away but also lost one nil at home um and this time you've got equatorial guinea and ivory coast alongside them but i guess my question is coming into this is i i, I guess it's how confident are you going into this group? But also the real question I think is, does it even matter? Because we saw at the last AFCON that Nigeria cruised through that group, beat Egypt, beat Guinea-Bissau, beat Sudan, you know, looked like for me, the best team at the AFCON after the group stage, and then somehow managed to lose against the Tunisia side that, you know, came behind both Mali and, uh, and Gambia in their group. So I guess the question is, is, you know, is that going to be the real challenge for Nigeria is not just managing the group because, you know, we should expect them to come in that top two with, with Ivory Coast and anything, but that would be seen, I think as a real failure, but it's once they get past that, once they're in the knockouts and they have to play some of the better teams, like, you know, if they come second, they'll likely play Cameroon or South Africa, you know, where is that real challenge going to come for, for the super Eagles? And do they have the time, like you said, to get into good shape? before they have to play some of these teams, you know, before that first match against Guinea-Bissau? You know, as I've come to realise in African football, expect the unexpected. <laughs> so like you mentioned, Nigeria won one of the top teams in the group stages in the last AFCON, but when it came to the last 16, they lost to Tunisia. So I don't think we should underestimate any team um, in African football. There are no minnows anymore because even Equatorial Guinea have been performing really well lately in their matches. So I don't think we can just say it's a walk in the park. Um, Egypt, I think they're going to give Nigeria, you know, if they ever were to face them like further down, a, a tough a tough run for their money this time, not like how it was in the group stages because Egypt are, are cruising through their World Cup qualifiers. They've had an incredible past, you know, past few months in, in terms of performances that they're delivering. So I think Nigeria has a bit of work to do. They are playing as well the host Ivory Coast in the group stages, and it's it's always going to be a very difficult one when you're when you're facing the host at home. Um, I remember the last time, if I'm correct, that Nigeria played Ivory Coast was in the 2013 Africa Cup of Nations in South Africa, and I was at the stadium when Nigeria beat Ivory Coast um, in the quarterfinal. 
Um, so it, it would be great to see that match up again. And I was speaking to Salomon Kalu, who was in that team that Nigeria beat in the quarterfinals. I spoke to him in Morocco for the CAF Wars just a few days ago. And he is also what an incredible team Nigeria is now. But as we spoke about, like he felt midfield is lacking that creativity. But as well, he said them losing to Nigeria in the, in the quarterfinals, he just couldn't believe it because they themselves, Ivory Coast, had incredible players that even included the Aya Toure um, in that team. But So I'm sure Ivory Coast will be hoping that it, there won't be a repeat of that match in 2013. And Ivory Coast themselves have been putting some really good performances lately. And I said they, ha they have that home crowd. And as Salam Okalu said to me, their stadiums are going to be packed. Um, completely packed. So you can just imagine all those home fans in the stadium um, cheering the team on. So I don't think it's going to be an easy ride for Nigeria. Um, but of course, as I said, Nigeria have the talent. If it can all just come, the different pieces of the puzzle can come together. I think they can go far. Yeah, it's, it's interesting, maybe because, you know, you, you, you talk about, you know, yeah, absolutely. With you know, Equatorial Guinea, and Guinea Bissau are no pushovers. I think particularly Equatorial Guinea, they showed that they could do it against. You know, they competed with Ivory Coast. They're obviously in their group in twenty twenty one. They lost, but they competed, and then they beat Algeria. You know, they did so well to get get all the way to the quarterfinals. But um, yeah, and it's interesting. You then talking about Salomon Kalou saying that there's going to be a huge support. I wanted to ask. You know, will are you expecting a huge kind of traveling crowd of Nigerians getting to the Ivory Coast? Obviously not neighbors, you have to, you know, get through a, a few countries, you know, Benin, Togo and Ghana, but realistically in the grand scheme of things is not a, a really far trip from, from, you know, Lagos to Abidjan. You know, are you expecting a kind of a, a Nigerians to travel in, in their thousands to, to the AFCON? Well, I mean, obviously I don't expect the same numbers as I would for Ivory Coast um, fans in their own country. I'm having big numbers. They'll outnumber Nigeria for sure. But there are many Nigerians who live in Ivory Coast. Um, so I would expect the home-based supporters to be there in full force supporting Nigeria. I've even had some of them tweet me already on Twitter saying they're ready for all of us Nigerian journalists. Um, so I think there will be a fan base for sure because there, there's still a, a, a nice number of Nigerian Nigerians living in the Ivory Coast. And as you said, it's not that far away. It's like, what, about an hour, an hour and a half flight from Nigeria, roughly, to Ivory Coast. So it's also a very short journey. So, I, you know, when you always see in the matches, you always see the drums, as you know, I've just seen in the stadiums, the singing, the chanting, the dancing of Nigerian fans. So they definitely will themselves make their voices heard, however big or small that they are in the stadium, chanting on the Super Eagles, as they did as well in Cameroon. There were lots of them traveling around and you could always hear them, even if it was a small group of them, could, the music, the chanting, it was quite loud anyways, um, to spur on the Nigerian, Nigerian players. Absolutely. And, and I think particularly in, in, you know, African football, we can't underestimate how much that proximity makes a difference. You know, famously, North African teams, if, if they're not Egypt, struggle when they come below the Sahara. And, you know, so those kind of what oftentimes you call it kind of intangibles do make make a real difference in having, you know, a, a big crowd. Obviously, like you say, you, you won't be out numbering the Ivorians, but, you know, come those other games, you know, it, you know, it might feel more like a home game for, for Nigeria than, than, you know, most other uh, countries. You know, we, we've talked about the mood and, and kind of how Jose Passero you know, has to put together this team. But I kind of want to ask when, when you're looking at this AFCON, you know, obviously we, we see the big favorites, you know, Morocco coming off that World Cup, you know, Senegal having being the holders and 
you know, dominating in African football since then in terms of the, you know, youth categories and the Chan and everything. And there's almost a sense, you know, that, that Nigeria aren't considered one of, one of the favorites coming into this tournament, which again, feels so strange when you see the amount of talent that this team has, I guess, what are the, you know, d- does that help Nigeria, you know, for, for once or, you know, coming into a tournament and not having that many expectations on them externally. I know you talked about how there's always expectation internally, but do you think that will help them kind of almost being being the underdogs? And even in their group, you know, I think Ivory Coast will be considered favorites. Do you think that will help the, the the Super Eagles kind of manage manage this tournament? I don't know. I mean, um, maybe, maybe not having that pressure, but I think Nigerians, the Nigerian team have pressure as it is <laughs> because um, the Nigerian fans have not been happy at all with their performances lately. So whether I think their favorites or not, they're still going to have pressure in some in some way, shape or form. Um, whether I, I guess most people would be looking at, as we said, Ivory Coast never rule out the host and, and Ivory Coast have been doing very well lately. So they're one of the favorites. And as you've mentioned, Morocco are another one of the favorites based off of um, their World Cup performance in Qatar. And I spoke to Walid Regragi after he picked up his coach of the year, the men's coach of the year, just a few days ago in um, in Morocco. And he says, of course, there's pressure. There is pressure on the Moroccan team, especially off the back of such a fantastic World Cup, being the first African team to make the semi-final. So people will expect them to put in a good performance. And then you have Senegal, the defending champions as well, who obviously want to hold on to their title. And as a federation president said, it's been the success of Senegal, both at the Africa Cup of Nations and in and the other domestic titles of, uh, across the continent in the past two years. They've been picking up all their, their, their awards. Um, so he said it's been 10 years of planning. They've put in a proper planning in place. And now that's why you're seeing the dividends to, to the success that they have. But Egypt as well. Egypt are doing really well at the moment. It's a resurgence of this Egyptian team from from the last Africa Cup of Nations, putting great results in the World Cup qualifiers. Mosala as well been performing very well. Um, so I think they're they're one of the teams to definitely watch out for um, in this Africa Cup of Nations. So yes, maybe Nigeria is not up there. If maybe if we're discussing looking at these other sides, but I think they still will have some sort of pressure because fans have not been happy with the performance. We can't say that enough. They've not been happy and they and they always make themselves heard on social media every time Nigeria doesn't put a performance they're happy with. If you're the Super Eagles, there's always pressure. It doesn't matter it doesn't matter if you're the worst team, the best team. There's there's always pressure to compete. And I you know, I guess that's that's one of the biggest challenges that you always have to manage as as a Super Eagles player and coach. And and obviously it's a decade on from from the Super Eagles last success at the AFCON back in, in 2020, uh, 2013 under Stephen Keshin. You you kind of referenced the Ivorian Ivorian game in particular. It was a great, a great team. But you know, Mimi, we appreciate you coming coming to speak with us. How we always finish off these previews with with a quick fire round of questions. So I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to ask you ask you some of the hardest questions I've got. Um, and some of the well, we'll start, I guess, with it with an easy one in terms of for you, who is coming into this tournament? Who is Nigeria's best player? Nigeria's best player definitely is Victor Osimhen, no doubt. Um, whenever he's not in the team, you you miss his presence. So it's definitely Nigeria's best player. Yeah, I think that's probably probably the easiest country to, to ask that question, maybe along with Egypt. Um, but you know, if, if Ozzyman is the best player, who who in this team 
kind of of the of the youngsters are there any young players breaking into the, into the super eagles team that that you know people should be keeping an eye out for at this tournament and could be the breakout stars i would definitely like to see how victor boniface performs to be honest um at this at this africa cup of nations especially as he's been one of the players that we've been talking a lot about has been getting a lot of attention for his team and his performances by Leverkusen. So it will be good to see um, if he gets a chance to show his abilities in this in this competition. Absolutely, and, and you know he might get that chance. You know we're talking about Aweni might might be fit, might not, and you know you'd imagine that you know amongst the the, the litany of brilliant talent you have up front, but Boniface probably going to be one of the the first aids in terms of. Get, getting on that that team sheet along with Aussie men, but it'll be interesting to, to see. I think he's, he's such an exciting player, Boniface, isn't he? Um, so now I'm going to ask you the hard question, Mimi. I need I need your prediction. How far are Nigeria going at the Afcon? Where will you will you win it? Where will you crash out? How far is Nigeria going? <laughs> I'm not even right. Let me, listen, I'm Nigerian of Nigerian heritage. I'm always going to want my country to do well. So super eagles, don't let us down. Jose Pesero, make it work. Um, so all I'm going to say is I just hope Nigeria does very well. I'm not predicting any exits, nothing. Uh, we're rooting behind you. So let's hope that you get the uh, job done. You heard it here first. Mimi Fawaz, Nigeria are going to, they're going to go all the way. They're going to win it. She has no doubts, no issues. Don't worry. <laughs> well, that that clears up my next question because I was going to ask who's going to win the tournament, but but I don't need to ask that because it's it's the Super Eagles. <laughs> no, no, you also got to apart from Nigeria, who I wish well for for sure. Egypt are looking great. Egypt are definitely a team to watch out for. And they'll be looking. Don't forget to get that eighth Africa Cup of Nations. That's what they wanted so badly against Senegal last time around. They got through to the final, but they really are looking good. Morocco, you can't rule them out. Um, that historic run in Qatar to the semifinals, first African country to do so. Walid Regragi is a fantastic coach, great man management. So a team to also look out for. Never rule out the defending champion Senegal as well. They're also one that you could just never rule out. And then as well, they're always they're always unexpected results teams that we just never know that could perform well. Absolutely. Could never rule anyone out at the AFCON. It's one of the reasons we love it. Again, this made easy because you're Nigerian, but uh, but my next question is who's going to be the top scorer at, at this AFCON? Uh, I'm going for, well, I want to say Victor Osimhen, especially as, um, you know, he's a top scorer for the Afri- AFCON qualifier. So um, it'll be good to see him get on, get on the score sheet. But I mean, like, I think we could also see some, hmm, let's see, maybe... I think Mo Salah will have it. I mean, he was great for me. He was he still put in? He really, you know, helped to carry Egypt through with some big results in the last Afcon. So I can never rule out Mohamed Salah. Absolutely, Salah has been in, in terrific form, just like Ozzy <laughs> And but and I guess this this goes along with it. And again, Mimi, you you made this a hard one because obviously you know you're Nigerian and you. Uh, because Victor Ozzyman is so dominant, and you and you know, like you said, you're expecting Nigeria to win the tournament. But my last question is, who's going to be the player of the tournament? I don't know if you have a different answer, or if you think if Ozzyman's going to be the top scorer, he'll also be the best player. Yeah, I think he definitely isn't. You can't come off the back of winning an Africa uh, um, a CAF award as the best African player, and not being contention as being one of the best players in the tournament. We could also see. Let's let me quickly as well mention Yasin Buno, an incredible. Player, incredible performances as well in the World Cup for Morocco. 
he as well could be a player that could put in some fantastic performances like he did at the World Cup. Um, Mohamed Salah is another one. So And Mane. It's not, it's not really Mane. Mane had a good um, AFCON as well in the last AFCON. So I think it could be amongst the mix of, of, of these players that I've mentioned. And, and I think with, it, you know, thinking of someone like Mane or even Bono is, is interesting because, you know, we've hardly talked about or anyone's hardly talked about the way in which the Saudi Pro League is going to impact the AFCON because, yes, Mane isn't playing at perhaps the level that he was at Liverpool like a Salah, but he's also not working as hard as, as guys like Salah. And so he's probably going to come into the tournament in some of his best shape, uh, you know, as opposed to players like Salah and Aussie men who've been playing, you know, elite level football in Europe for the past three or four months, nonstop, must be exhausted. Whereas, you know, Mane and Bonu and Seko Fofana, these other guys are all going to come into it, probably looking a lot more fresh, but we'll see. We'll have to wait and see. Maybe thank you so much for, for speaking to us. It's brilliant to, to hear your expertise and, and get your opinions as always. And we, we look forward to, to bringing you on the pod again and chatting to you soon.